throughout responses, engine 5, engine 3, engine 1, ladder 3, ladder 2, rescue 1. We've got smoke showing. Division 1, you're on location, block 23, reporting smoke show on 727. Job Talks podcast members do not represent the cities and towns they work for in their views and opinions. They are views and opinions that belong to us only. We are not here trying to be the experts or tell people how to do their job. Our goal with this show is simply to facilitate knowledge sharing. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, welcome back to Job Talks and a completely uncontroversial topic today. Episode 15. Barry's going to take us through it. But before we do that, please... Like our social media pages at Job Talks, J O B T L K S. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel or our Google Podcast channel or Spotify channel. Any of them. Listen to us. We like you guys, even if you don't like us. We'll force ourselves upon you until you do. That's how it works. Kind of like EMS in the fire service. Wow. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. That I was, really that was off the really cuff, too. That was um, off the cuff. Wow. So today is a very special day. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we have our first monetary sponsor. Um, so I would like to send a special thanks to uh, my friend Paul Burke, uh, who owns a large catamaran. So he owns a company called Sail the Lady. He owns a 46-foot catamaran that is um, harbored in the Virgin Islands that is available for um, trips, rent. Yeah. Um, so he has sponsored this episode. Um, so if you'd like to... Paul's a give you a little bit of backstory. I went to medic school with Paul. He's a really good human being. Um, him and his wife, Jackie purchased this boat. Um, they're both amazing human beings. Jackie's a nurse practitioner. So they both share, uh, share a love of travel. Um, so they, they got this. Paul's on the job. Yep. (laughs) Paul is on the job in Cambridge as well. Uh, but they share a love of travel, traveling all over the world. So they were, um, able to purchase this boat, which they can kind of share that love with people that are interested in chartering their boat. Um, it's down in the Virgin Islands. They have a website called Sail the Lady. It's uh, www.sailthelady.com. Uh, go check them out. Um, he, gave us, he gave me this awesome T-shirt um, and is, a, is a, a good human being with a good business. Uh, so if you love travel and you're interested in traveling the Virgin Islands on a catamaran, which I don't know who isn't, um, check them out. I've seen um, the photos. Looks yeah, like it's a, a beautiful boat. Uh, I'll uh, post, some, post some pictures in there, but... Like I said, sailthelady.com. Uh, if you're interested, reach out. We'll throw it in the uh, description as well. Yeah, uh, very much worthwhile. So today, um, we're going to talk about, as I said, a completely uncontroversial topic, which is EMS and the fire service. Given that this is an uncontroversial topic, um, prior to this episode, uh, Nicholas and I have t- uh, taken proactive steps to guarantee my safety, um, the safety of my loved ones. Uh, so Nick, if you could. Thank you. <laughs> Just gonna put this on real quick. Might be a few shots fired during this episode. Is that to protect you from uh, from us or the Everyone. audience? Everyone. Well, I think it's one of those things where, like, when you're a kid and you hide under the covers, uh, yeah, you can't. You the monsters can't get you. That's right. That's right. All right. Think the boys from Pittsburgh are coming for me? Yeah. <laughs> All right. What are you, what All right, you now there? we can talk about EMS and the fire service. Are you in the town or something? What is going on? <laughs> look at you. Whose car are we taking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's right. You look great there. You know, this fit a little bit better in 2019 when I was wearing it. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. All right. Well, now I feel a little bit safer for all the shots that are going to be fired after this episode. Uh, maybe some by Will. Who knows? Anyways, so we're going to talk about EMS and the fire service. This video is um, so good. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to share this video. So, unfortunately, this oh, is, uh, this is for our, uh, our video, video audience. Um, for our audio audience, uh, we'll hopefully share, you can we'll see it. We'll share it on our yeah, uh, social we'll sh- media. Yeah, we'll share it on our page. Uh, but the point, <laughs> the point being, um, this can be a controversial topic, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, like everything else on the show, we want to have intelligent conversations about the issues that matter. One of them is EMS and the fire service and the role that it plays. Uh, it doesn't have to devolve into just this fanatical bullshit that ends up being a lot of time at the firehouse table sometimes. Um, however, uh, I am wearing body armor, so maybe you shouldn't listen to me. Um, 
Anyway, so we have a nice, uh, nice video to lighten the mood here, um, and we hope you enjoy it. Risita, ¿qué? Ve por la paellera. Venga, que las dos de la tarde ya están aquí. Mira el bañador. Pues la chancla. Todo despeinado porque no me dio tiempo de nada ponerme la chancla y el bañador. Voy a la playa, había subido la marea. Eso. wanted to wanted to lighten the mood a little bit um other than protect my personal safety um because it's it can be a very divisive topic uh but i i thoroughly believe it doesn't need to be um i think it's just a conversation that needs to be had um you know a couple episode episodes ago we talked about all hazards agencies uh the shift um the shift in culture in the fire service to where we're no longer just fighting fires right where that all hazards agency that's kind of responding to the unique needs of our community uh and in some services depending on how large or small your agency is a part of that is ems right so like i said as we've discussed in recent episodes um the fire services uh, changed drastically over the years and many of us have transitioned to providing ems so for communities large and small one of the big things is ems represents a small and vital portion um of their daily call volume Right. So um, it doesn't necessarily, you know, sometimes it doesn't represent the majority, but it can still represent a sizable portion of call volume. Right. And recognizing that EMS, you know, for better or worse, it does play an important role in the fire service, uh, recognizing that. Um, and just how do we how do we kind of shift the conversation from like this adversarial kind of like generational, like, you know, paramedics ruin the fire service or, you know, these these guys like don't understand like how much of the call volume is like they're not getting with the times. Like, how do we kind of dissect that conversation into a more like positive and like workable conversation about like, Hey, like there's some positivity to be had here. So do you have any suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's mostly just looking at us <laughs> like, guys, what do you think? Like, I really thought this yeah. was going to be, <laughs> turn out to be a little bit more. Conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen, I think that <clears throat> it's tough because a lot of, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the places that provide EMS, some provide it as like non-transport. Um, we're an example of that. 
Um, some provide it as they run their own ambulances and transport. Some provide it like FDNY provides it as a total third service. You know, it's under the fire department, but it's its own entity. And there's some role in just about every fire department that's EMS, whether it's first responder, whether it's EMT, whether it's medic, whether it's transporting, what have you. And I, I agree the, I don't know why there's such a culture clash, especially with like oncoming new EMTs probably 20 years ago. And then now new medics. Um, but I think it's, I think it's important for, for the people that, for the people that, uh, don't understand like why sometimes guys are not upset to do EMS, but like don't want to just be labeled. That is that a lot of people become medics now because that's how you get in the fire service. And so like you get guys like I I like to think of it as like you have guys that are so passionate about getting on this job that they're willing to put themselves through that program to give themselves a better shot. Or, you know, it's the same as like some guys go in the military to get veteran status you know, some guys do their paramedic and, uh, I think, I think it's just important to remember that we all want to be there. We all want to be doing the job, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. together. And I think, I think it's one of those things like I, I understand like in, you know, in previous generations, you didn't, we've always been providing EMS, right? Whether that's, you know, the, the conversation has changed, whether you're transporting, non-transporting, intercept, what have you, the fire department for hundreds of years has been providing emergency medical services to some extent or another, right? Whether that's yeah. as a first responder before there was even some sort of credentialing, like back in the, probably this, you know, 17, 1800s when like the infancy of this country, they were providing some sort, you know, they were very limited means, but we were providing like the, um, I, I, I get struggling for the word, like the, um, rudimentary, I guess, um, emergency Versions medical of, services. Yeah. So it's always existed. But like I, I often find myself like wondering like why, like why is this like such a controversial topic, and like to me like I understand that like you know everyone here is a paramedic. I understand that not everyone likes emergency medicine, and that's fine. But I think that you can look at it through the lens of like you know like the time and the culture is changing, the way that we fight fires is changing, the way that we provide services to our community is changing, the expectations of our community are changing. Uh, and at the end of the day, like we're here for the mission and the mission is to protect the lives and property of our community. So if that means us stepping up and being paramedics or us stepping up and being EMTs or doing what have you, like that's the mission. And I would rather have someone that's committed enough to this job to be like, to go get a, like essentially like a post-secondary education because they want to be here that bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So I will say that now I, I, I didn't go through like, you know, 10 years of working in the private service before I got into my job now, into the into a, a firehouse. But the cultures, although similar, are different. And then that's, I think, why they clash. Because I think that you, I don't know of too many uh, EMS providers, right? that are career paramedics and that's all they do. They're just paramedics. Now there are people out there, there's no question about it, but as many people as I know that are like career firefighters, right? These, these guys who have been on, like all the senior guys have been on for 20, 25, 30 years. When I started working in privates, it was kind of like all young people out there just kind of like, yeah, I got my EMT license. I'm just here to work. And then the paramedics, a lot of them were, you know, a lot of them were firefighters. A lot of them weren't, but, it was just it was just different from going to like my base being a paramedic and then going to the firehouse the traditions are different the way that you run the fire i'm i'm at work by 7 i don't have to be there till 7:45 if i walk in at 7:45 it's like hey thanks for uh, showing up early you jerk right right if i get there at 7:30 it's like good job i'm there at 7 just because i got nothing else to do and i frankly i just roll out of bed and go and I like having the time to check my truck out and do everything like that right if my shift ends at 8 my relief is there at 7.59 when I'm at a, a private ambulance base there's no like courtesy in that respect yeah you gotta clean your base and you gotta do stuff like that nobody really does it nobody really a lot of people don't really care if they lose their job 
and I'm not, that's a broad stroke, right? Yeah, broad and, broad. I, and I'm not saying, and I worked for like what I consider a pretty great company who was very fair, but the, the attitude was completely different where when you walk into the firehouse, it's like, this is your, this is your second home. And a lot of guys, you know, not everybody, but a lot of guys take care of it and they honor their traditions that have been handed down before them. And so I think that is part of the big clash is that people bring some of their private EMS workspace bullshit to the firehouse and they, and they introduce that culture into the, into the fire service. And that's what the gist that I've gotten. I think that's like a fair assessment. I think that's, that highlights two different types of people and paramedics that come into the fire service. Correct. There are, there are, and I think a lot of the, if you want to call them issues or culture clashes, whatever you want to say, they come in because let's just face facts. Like private EMS is not really sustainable. Like as a life choice, uh, it's a for-profit company that just abuses people and it's not company specific. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's low paying, it's whatever the case is. And so there are a number of people that don't want to be firefighters, right? but they, they just come as a they come because they can get benefits you know and if you're fortunate to work in a place like boston that has a third service where they right. do have good benefits and pay and stuff like that and um or you like worcester or, or you know a, a number at finney and a number of services um it's good because they can stay that but you can make a career out of it yeah, yeah. some people choose to come because they because that's where they can make a living and do what they want to do and they're right. not necessarily interested in being a the firefighters i think the like obligation of the people that are already on the fire department is to like instill in them like the importance of also being a good firefighter right and instead of like instead of that like culture clash like oh like fuck you like you're you're a medic it it should be like hey whether you got your paramedic which is the other side of the coin because you wanted to be a firefighter and now you're here and you don't want to sell that or if it's like hey like this might not have been the job that you necessarily wanted to do for your life but like let's make it a good one and i think that the the other i I think a lot of where i see culture clash too is that um a lot of services go up to providing their own uh ems whether it's emt paramedic whatever and you do get people that want to be uh, like i'm one like i want to be a medic and i tell i said this to you before i like being a medic i love being a firefighter Mm -hmm. and um if if it's not implemented correctly you might not ever get the chance to be a firefighter yeah right and and so i think what happens is that you get people that want to do that and then they get upset because they're like, listen, I know that I am a medic, but I also want to do, it's not, I want to do less. I want to do more. Like I want to do all of this. And then the flip side of the coin is like, well, listen, you were hired for a medic, like quit your, quit your bitching. And that becomes like tension instead of just actually like discussing it. Like, no, like this is, this is why I feel the way I feel. And just because, just because something like just because something's there doesn't mean it can't improve. Like it can't be better. So it doesn't always now give me, there are people that just bitch like, and they bitch to bitch and they have no solutions and, and they're going to complain no matter what. But sometimes they're like complaints, if you will, are valid. And like, I think it's worth being heard by both sides. So I think it's worth like people who don't do the EMS aspect, listen to the people who do and like why they feel the way they feel. And I think it's important for the people that do the EMS aspect to listen to the, to the people that don't and, and why they feel, you know, it's important, you know? No, hundred percent. I think like to me, like, it's just like, uh, I don't want to say like a changing, like a, a changing of the tide. Like I, th- I, th- I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. Like you said, like the, one of the things that I've always appreciated that quote that I've used a lot is like, I love, I like being a paramedic, but I love being a fireman. Like it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think like, like senior, you know, senior membership, like maybe they didn't have, uh, they didn't have to become paramedics. Right. But like, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that these younger kids are any different. Like they're still have the same aspirations. Um, they still have the same goals. And I think like, I think they just have to kind of like, we, we all have to just kind of view it in a different light of like, Hey, like how do we, uh, find and facilitate that common ground to like, Hey, like, you know, like they don't want less, they want more. They want to like, I want that senior man to teach me everything, you know, so I can be better. Um, right. So like 
and I, I don't want to dive like too much into, um, like, you know, I'll, I'll highlight some system design cause there's almost like an infinite, uh, amount of configurations as far as like, yep. and, uh, like, you know, picking the, picking system design is like very much like it's, it's as specific as the department and the department's geography. Like what, what works for one department might not work for another. Um, but uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is like, what are the, like the general pros and cons of like a fire-based EMS system? So when I think of like the pros and cons of a fire-based EMS system, I think of it very much through like an all hazards approach. Like I like, do I think that, um, every agency should have a fire-based EMS system? No, cause it might not be the best approach for that agency. But I think if you're, if you're trying to view it through that, like all hazards lens, I do think that agencies that do adopt a fire-based EMS system approach are, are capitalizing on multiple opportunities. One, they're capitalizing on increased presence in the community, increased community outreach, right? Like you're having firefighters responding to people's homes, like even if it's for those small like social services calls, like that's giving us more presence within the community versus just fire alarm activations, fires, car accidents. There's a lot to be had there, but it's an increase. It's an additional opportunity for us to have a presence within the community and to showcase another service that we provide and showcase our versatility. Um, two, like, I think like at the end of the day, like there is some, um, some budgetary aspects that are important, right? Sometimes like, uh, you know, times are changing, like budgets are, you know, we're being asked to do more with less, even in affluent departments. Uh, it is not, you know, sometimes self-sustaining, but it's an, it's a, a way that departments can increase revenue, um, that can go to, you know, and that's where, that's where I like, I don't want it to be like a contentious conversation because you guys would be like, oh, like paramedics ruin the fire service. But like, and I don't, I don't think like paramedics save the fire service. I think paramedics contribute a great deal to the fire service. Like, I don't want to be labeled just as, oh, Barry's a paramedic. I'm just Barry, right? But like, I think that like running an agency well and like having some of that monetary contribution like come into the department helps achieve other things, right? It helps with getting new apparatus. It helps with staffing, helps with training, right? So like if there's anything that we can do um, to help increase, like you said, not justify ourselves, but like be proactive uh, within our community um, to increase our presence. I, th I think that's a positive thing. But there are there are there are cons. So I just wanted to get like your guys' thoughts on the pros and cons of not just like private versus whatever. Like, what do you guys perceive as the cons of like or the the pros and the cons of a fire based EMS system? I I think so. Do you want the vest? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I think I think one of the pros of a fire-based EMS system, at least the privilege I've had in the two systems I worked for, is that we can have really, really, really good paramedics. Like, if I think to myself, if I go down in a fire, who do I want outside? It's the guys I work with. You know what I mean? And uh, and 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 that's a virtue I think of of the ability we have with like being able to like advocate for training and different things. And I think some of that comes down to being a not for profit service. So I think that, um, and listen, businesses exist, right? Yeah. There, there's, you, you, have to, you have to make money doing things. So there are services that are going to exist and, and they have to make money and they have to make profit. But when that's not your driving factor, I think that you have the ability to, um, have like protocols that are more patient care driven. I think you have the ability to advocate for more training that you might not be able to convince somebody who's trying to have a bottom line. And, and, you know, we do have a bottom line, like budgetary and stuff like that. And I think that you can, if you have the right people and systems in place, make a really, really good, uh, patient care experience for people. And, um, I think, I think the drawback, of fire-based EMS is is the unpredictability of it. So, like now, we're going through paramedic shortages, and that's not just fire-based. I guess it's everybody. But when you go through these shortages, or you can't hire people to replace these guys as they come in, um, in in uh, Matt Mahoney is a good good person like you talk to he's like he he comes on he works the rescue on his job and then at a certain point when he gains seniority he gets to move on to other things and like be an engine person be a ladder guy whatever the case yeah. is and that's what i think what people want and i think the unpredictability of getting those replacements in and then being stuck in that for your whole career is a downside tough. 
and it, and it can limit you in your career. Like in our job, I would say that there's pros and cons. Like it can excel you and it can limit you because, uh, you know, like our rescue, if you want to be on our rescue, like generally you're gotta be a medic at this point to get on. Um, and so like being a non-medic, you may have a really hard time getting to the rescue, which is like a goal that a lot of people aspire to. And on the flip side, if you had like the goal of being on a ladder company, until there were enough medics to like replace you at the ground level, you're not going to be able to. And, and we don't know, you know, you never know who you're going to be able to hire, how many people are going to be medics coming on and stuff like that. So it's just the unpredictability of it. But I think the, the overall benefit is that we can be 100% patient care driven and not profit driven. And that can lead to, um, I think really, really good providers. I think the best thing about having a um, a fire service driven EMS system, right? I think that the private world is pretty well labeled as like this like um, revolving door policy with these companies. Like you'll see someone get fired, you know, and it's like, all right, yeah, don't come back here for two years. That doesn't get said, but right. it seems like they're back in two years, right? Or they so, get fired from five different yeah from EMS multi- multiple things and and it's kind of like it's a revolving door it's like or, or they quit because they're sick of the management or whoever and they go somewhere else and they go somewhere else and they go somewhere else yeah you can you can definitely do laterals in the fire service but you can only do so many laterals in the fire service before someone's like yeah why you're on your fifth lateral why would i hire you right yeah. there's obviously you know either something wrong with that person or they're just not worth or maybe the, maybe there isn't maybe they're great but maybe they're just not going to be worth the time investment for your for your city or town um so with with that said you have the same providers for a long time who i think and you can even take a green guy and you can take uh you, you know you the the good part when we roll up to a scene we have four to five paramedics on it at all time with, with the engine with three guys and, and the ambulance, you know, with two. So we have five paramedics, right? So it's not just like, you know, a fly car and two basics and handling this call and maybe the fire service shows up or maybe it doesn't, or maybe they only show up when they need extrication or, you know, there's a big patient or something like that. So we always have more brains attacking whatever the problem is in front of us. Right. So that's, that's, that's the huge, the huge benefit of, of, of fire of like a fire driven, you know, EMS. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it's, as far as like getting good providers, some of the best providers I know work in the private system. And they're the few people that I do know that have just stayed paramedics. Cause that's all they want to do. And we've talked about in the past about how hard it is to be proficient at two jobs. Right. So that leads me to like the con. Yeah. Right? You only have so much bandwidth. You only right. have so much bandwidth. And so like for me to be like a stellar paramedic, next level paramedic, I've got to devote a lot of time to that. But what I really want to do is I really want to get in, you know, my bunker gear and my SCBA and I want to go train and do stuff because those are the situations and scenarios that like appeal to me. And right. so that's, that's, kind of the con is like having to split the difference and try to be really good at both things and it's not impossible it's just a lot of it's just a lot of work to do so yeah and i, I wasn't saying that private uh ems doesn't turn out good providers because I, I also think absolutely they, they are some of the best um providers around uh work for the privates i just think that in the ability to advocate for the right training and things like that is mm. much easier in the fire department i also think it depends on where you work because if you work in a system where you just see a lot you're going to build really good medics over time because they just have experience it'd be the the exact same volume of calls it's the same thing and you talk about some of these really big cities that have a crazy amount of structure fires like those guys can just do it because Mm -hmm. they see it all the time you know and uh and they can, you know, they're much quicker to, like, be able to assess the situation, be able to, like, identify the problems. Like, yep. you know, talking about structure fire, same thing with the patient. The more you see it, the more you're going to, the more, the better you're going to be at it. So I think, you know, some of that is also the service and, right. and just the, like, nature of where you work. And, um, I mean, we, we work with a lot of guys that 
work full time and the privates on top of yeah you Working. know the fire service you know and i mean you want to talk about some of the best medics you know like right. shmoo flevelin or whatever we call him flevelin <laughs> glue his name is glue. Glue. Glue, glue he's he's one of them um his captain is one of them the supervisor elsewhere our old lieutenant yeah. great my medic. captain yeah your captain yeah. like just some of the some of the best guys in this because they do it yeah so much right. you know and uh yeah, I think it's just unfortunate that it's a culture clash, and I, the the sad reality is I don't know the answer to it. I don't I don't know I don't know what the answer is to fix it other than having an open mind to, um, from both sides to like you know listen to why listen to why these people who aren't like I said before who aren't medics or EMS providers why the things that upset them, and then they also need to be receptive to why like why you might not why you might think think things could be better as well you know i think so there's a couple of things i think for it doesn't matter as much for like larger communities uh medium-sized communities um <clears throat> but i think for some of these like really small towns like if they did not have fire-based ems they would not have a career fire department period you're right, you're right. yeah some of them that's true yeah. like so i i think it's one of those things where like it really it really does play a large role in like you know at the end of the day like budgetary and staffing and like as far as as far as private ems goes like i think private ems is necessary in the sense that it private ems exists because it felt it wouldn't exist if it wasn't necessary right it just like anything else it's like a market economy like it plays a an important role yeah. and because we need it to right um but yeah like it like I, I don't know anyone in the fire department really that has a paramedic that didn't start at a private service. And, you know, like there's some private services that are better than others, some private services that instill better qualities or have better clinical standards of care, better training standards of care. Um, but I, th I think it's important. I think that's where most people start. And I think like, I don't want to say for all, but I think like you're probably like, I think it, to me it like makes me appreciate the fire service more. You know what I mean? Like coming from a private background, um, it makes me appreciate like how good we have it on the fire side. Um, however, like I very much credit like my time in the in the private sector is like a very formative time in my EMS career. I got to do some pretty cool things uh, and I think it made me uh, a good provider. Um, and that can be, you know, that can be anywhere. But like, you know, I, I, I think if I was maybe in a different part of the country where, you know, like, a lot of times like people enter the fire service because you know for the most part uh, you know a career in the private sector like you said just isn't sustainable as far as like uh quality of life and there's some there's some agencies that are pushing back against that narrative which i think is very cool um but you know third services like if you look at you know boston or wems or um down south or like la county you know like some of these like big systems where like you right. can you can be a career Seattle, like Seattle medic one, like you can be like pretty much like on, on a rescue and like you can truly be a master of that craft. Um, but I do think, like you said, John, like some of the perils of it is that like you only have so much bandwidth and like you have to choose what you want to be good at. So, um, sometimes you have to make some choices. You can be a mediocre paramedic. You can be a fantastic paramedic. Yeah. And some guys like air gals, like maybe don't want to make that <laughs> external commitment to like, I think like I I quantify myself as like a, a a decent provider. Like I I still have a lot to learn every day, but like I try to do stuff on the outside that makes me better, and I still feel like I always have like way more to learn. Yeah. So and that's a lot. That's, that's a heavy heavy burden, I guess. Well, well, it is, and it's and it's um again if, if we talk talk a little bit about like um, Dr. Peter Handavi, right? And he talks about um how you're able to like cope with calls and you have to um, get to the, like what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the conclusion of it. You have to, if you leave a call and you know that you didn't do everything that you could because you didn't know what to do in a sense, or you just didn't have it together enough to get things done in a way that provided the outcome that you're looking for. Right. Um, it, it's hard for people to cope with that. If you leave a scene knowing that you did everything possible, right? Everything possible. There was nothing that, nothing more that you could have done. Well, then now, you know, now, now you can cope with it. You know what I mean? Cause, yeah. Because you've, 
the conclusion was the conclusion. It was, ultimately there was nothing that you could do more, and so you can live with it. Yeah. But when it's on the other end, that's like like you just mentioned. What brought me here was you said that's a lot of weight to to be like, uh, man, I don't I don't know if and when the time comes if I'm gonna know what to do. Right. So um, when I was talking to Gary Reagan, he said I have performance anxiety. He's like, so what do I do? He's like, I just train all the time and bring myself through these scenarios. He's like, because when the when that moment comes, I I, I can't miss because I because I, it's devastating. And that's oh, yeah. that's the weight that EMS can bring to the firehouse, and that's something that guys in the past didn't have to deal with as heavy because it wasn't on them, let's say, to make those decisions. Yeah. You know, so and that's what I said. Like I, I like the notion that someone like you know some people will use paramedicine to get to the fire service or use EMS to get to the fire service. And maybe that's not their true passion. Um, I think like anything, if it's in your just job description, like if you're the right type of mentality, you should strive to be proficient at it. Some people don't really care and that's mm -hmm. like their personality, but I like the notion and I'd like to think that like, you know, guys that have been on this job for a long time can respect the fact that like this individual, like, cares enough to go to school for, you know, nine months to two years just because he fucking wants to be here that mm -hmm. bad. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like, mean, versus a guy that, like, you're like, hey, you want to take civil services? I'd be like, yeah, no, sure, I'll take it, right? Versus yeah. this kid that, like, hey, do you you want this job? You want it bad enough? You want to maximize your chances to be here? Go fucking be a paramedic. Go work in private EMS for some time. Get, you know, get your dick kicked in for a little while. And, like, you, you'll probably maximize your chances of getting on a job. And, like, if someone is w willing to jump through that many hoops just to, like, be here, then it's my responsibility to mold them in, into what I want them to be eventually. Right. I'm, you know, far from being a senior man. But right. that's right. my thoughts. I also think, like, you're saying, like, it's a burden on you to, to constantly learn. I, I It's a burden on anyone to constantly learn their craft. Like, we always say be a student of your craft, and we talk about the fire service when we say that, but... Same thing as being a medic, you know, like you got to be a student of your craft forever. Yeah. You're, you should never go in thinking that you know everything because no, you don't. Uh, again, far the more you see, the better you're going to be. And like the more you're going to have experience, but there's always going to be a curveball. Dude. And like, I, I mean, I'm fortunate enough, like on the side, I've had some like good opportunities and like, I really enjoy teaching uh, as a paramedic instructor on the side. But like, I fucking get way more out of like being there than I think the students do. You yeah. know what I mean, cause like it's relevant keeps, to your it relevant, knowledge. It keeps me fresh. And, like, I feel that, like, the caliber of people that are teaching there, like, I'm just fucking better for just yeah. being in the periphery. And, like, you know, there's always, like, some degree of, like, imposter syndrome. Like, you look, yeah. you know, like, in anything, you, like, look around and you're like, man, like, all these people are, like, super really high caliber. Well, you know, whether it's, like. They're probably thinking the same thing about yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're probably like, <laughs> oh, someone always has to sneak through the cracks here. So, yeah, we have our one. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it, it's, like you said, like, you should if you're committed to anything, like whatever industry you're in, like you should always view yourself as a lifelong learner. And maybe me saying like, it's a burden is like the wrong thing. Like it's a privilege to like, to me, like I always like want to learn more. Like just like, even if we were getting into a conversation about like scrap metal and like, or like whatever business management or selling cars, like I want to like, I'm just naturally like an inquisitive person. So right. I, I like just learning new things. Sure. Uh, but I understand that not everyone's like that. But yeah. anyways. Um, I also think there's a, I think that there's culture clash between like EMS and non-EMS providers in the fire service. But I think that there's a, an extra layer of, of um, shit. I don't know what else you want to call it. If you're in a service where you also deal with a private service. So like you, like some of these smaller towns you talk about, right? Some of them have an ambulance because that's how they fund themselves some of them are too small to have an ambulance, have an ambulance yeah. so they do run at like a bls or first responder level and then they deal with the like incoming private ambulance company who has a contract and that's probably the most common way it happens right um and i guess now it's it's probably shifting a little bit but you know very common that that there's a contracted private yeah, probably like 50 50 yeah ambulance company like said, and then sometimes it can be you're contentious with them because you know again like you have you know you're not necessarily motivated by the same things that like their bosses might be motivated by for doing certain interventions and patient care and things or or they think you know that 
I know that a lot of times like they, they're like, Oh, these guys are lazy. And we're like, no, it's just like, we've seen this before or whatever. So I think there's just a lot of levels of like complexity, complexity to the issue. And it's not a super simple fix. No, yeah. I mean, if it was, and then, then you we just would, have personnel. Yeah. If it yeah. was, I wouldn't be. Well, yeah, then there's, yeah, exactly. yeah. I just think that like, it shouldn't devolve. Like, I think like, and again, like we said this a lot, it's like the nexus of the show, like taking complicated issues and at least like having a conversation about them. Um, which I'm going to talk about. We, we, we had the privilege to have some really good feedback, uh, on our group page. Um, that was, you know, it's like you said, it's very easy for this to devolve into, to just like, you're the fucking problem. No, you're the fucking problem. Right. And then at the end of the day, like that doesn't benefit like the townspeople or this, you know, the people that we ultimately serve. Um, but we'll, t- we'll talk about that, but I wanted to highlight, so I have some pictures up here, like just, and I think this speaks to what you're talking about is just like the, the raw diversity of different system layouts. So some of these are familiar and some of them aren't. Um, so obviously in the top left, you have John's John service. So Stoughton, which is a, um, fire-based EMS system that operates at the ALS level, their ALS transporting, uh, Matt's system down in the bottom left-hand corner, which is, a uh, um, again, another version of a fire-based EMS system that operates at the BLS level with an ALS intercept, uh, up in the top, right, which I thought was interesting. Pittsburgh, um, runs, they have a third service, uh, but their third service is also responsible for running like their rescue, their heavy rescue, heavy rescue, which I thought was interesting. Miami Dade, right? So they are a fire-based EMS system. Uh, they have a very robust EMS system within their fire agency. Uh, and what's kind of fun fact about Miami Dade, they run with three on their ambulances, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have in the bottom corner, you have WEMS, which is a third service that operates strictly at the ALS level, although they have a, a sprinkling of new BLS units. Um, and then the next page, right? So you have some more familiar units. So you have BEMS, which is another third service in the bottom left-hand corner, which runs predominantly BLS and has ALS units. Uh, you have I two think they un- only have three ALS for the whole city, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the va- and the vast majority of these are within our own state, and it just shows like the raw like variability. Yeah of all these systems or you have Cambridge, for example. So engine three, you know, we used to b- both be an engine three, one ALS engines. And we also run squads, which is like similar to like LA County. We have like the Cali squads, but the, our squads are also like an extension of the rescue company. Uh, and then one of probably the most, um, unique unit. So in Mattapoise, the police run the EMS. So it's like, there's this like raw, like variability. There's no like one way that I think you can say like, this is the way because it's so, um, it's so like community dependent on like what right. works well for your community. There always can be any system can always be better. Like no one's refuting that. Mm. Like so, yeah. but I think it's important to get that conversation going. So I was very happy to see, like we said, we, we strive to keep this show like as user driven as possible. Um, so some of these are a little long, but I, I, I intentionally plucked these out cause I thought they were really good points and worth reading. Um, so we do have obviously the job talks Facebook page and we have the job talks group. We have the job talks website. Uh, but the group is very interesting cause we, uh, the nexus of the show, we try to keep it as user driven as possible. And there's a lot of conversations that occur in there that don't even involve us, uh, to where, uh, members of the group, uh, just kind of post questions in there and ask, kind of ask the job talks community, uh, their thoughts on something. One of the best conversations we have, uh, came from probably one of the most divisive topics, which is EMS and the fire service. And someone had asked, um, about like the opinion of having paramedics, right? So here's like a broad spectrum. And then the one at the end I thought was really powerful. Um, that kind of gives like a good, it gives a lot of like context over a career. Um, so the first one was the response was like the question posed was essentially like EMS in the fire service. Yes or no paramedics in the fire service. Yes or no. Uh, and the first person said, I, you know, removed all the names. Um, EMS makes the fire service, um, EMS makes the fire department more complicated brings more drama and takes the focus away from the mission. So while, you know, this person, everyone's entitled to their opinion, this comment actually brought a lot of positive feedback, right? Um, of people that are saying like, Hey, well, at the end of the day, like the mission is the people. And if this is what the people need, then that's, that's the mission. But also he brings up a good point of like, Hey, like we, we can't abandon like the fundamental like competencies that we need to be good at, which is firefighting. Right. Uh, so another one, uh, there are certainly systems that work well with three emergency services. However, those don't have that; those that don't have that kind of infrastructure benefit by keeping EMS in the fire department. Logistically, fire departments are usually centrally located and in a good position to provide emergency medical care in addition to fire rescue and uh, preventative services. 
These are departments that stay busy with fire-related calls, but on average, people are calling 911 for EMS-related calls. EMS calls typically drive call volume. Catering to that call volume yields staffing, equipment, growth, and expenditure. It's unfortunate there is a cultural divide. Some people are often staked on the fire side and are really into the EMS side. <laughs> then there are weird people like us that want to go into your be aggressive firefighters, but also enjoy a complex medical. I think that fire EMS system is a good system, but it, um, if it's not, uh, but if it's not done appropriately or done well in every community, so thought that was a good one. Um, then another person, you know, it depends on what service is being offered currently. If it's a great service with good response and work, leave it alone. But if the citizens care are struggling, then we step up and do what we do. Everything we do is for them, even the so-called petty medical calls, which I think is good. Like at the end of the day, like all this conversation uh, has come back um, to we're going to do what's best for the community. So there's a smattering of other ones. And this, this long one at the end, um, it's long, but I think it's worthy of reading. Uh, because it provides a lot of context and it comes from a very respected individual, I think, within the metro Boston area. Uh, and I think was a kind of a good way to cap it off. So he said, my career has afforded me the unique opportunity to be involved in the evolution of our EMS system. Not as a decision maker in the macro sense. I started off as a firefighter on a BLS transporting rescue company and worked my way up to captain in what evolved into an ALS non-transporting company. I value where we have been and what we have become and those that have become part of it, medics included. We uniquely have firefighters that are trained in suppression, tech rescue, dive rescue, hazmat, and rescue task force, many of which can provide, uh, many of which can supply ALS care within these incidents. The fact that we uh, don't transport allows us to spend less time at each medical and thus keeping those uh, with a special, special training available for responses. This, I feel, is an important issue <laughs> that has been often overlooked in many community plans that uh, have moved to ALS or BLS response and transporting. Oh, let me transition here. Uh, uh, Many overlooking the foresight to understand that um, understand the demand an EMS might have, only to increase manpower. A demand that increases each year without uh, an end in sight. This demand, although an important part of our service, causes a restriction on the available firefighters uh, and other responsibilities such as fire suppression. The plan to increase manpower in the fire department occurs, but now those firefighters are not available and due to being occupied for EMS system response, especially if the department has to transport patients outside the community for care. So to end this rant, EMS has become embedded in our fire service, which I believe is a good thing. EMS plans have to be realistic though. Leaders cannot simply start new programs without fully understanding what they entail. We need to evolve thoughtfully with the quality inclusion of different disciplines, emphasizing quality. So that was a long one, um, but it was from someone that I, I think everyone here has a great deal of respect for, and it kind of highlights, like, there's been a lot of change over the years, uh, and I think at the end of the day, we have to place, like, what is best for our community, what is best for patients, um, and making sure that whatever we're doing, uh, we're doing it thoughtfully uh, with the community in mind. Yeah, I do I do like that, uh, that he highlights the adding EMS for manpower, and and the issues that come with that because we talk about needing manpower for the firefighting side and so what they do a lot of times is they're like okay well, we'll give you two and we'll start an ambulance and the reality is that every time those two people are, are on a call they're not available, available for a fire response so so I, I do like that um you know it, it can't be used it can't be used as like a workaround for things and like the like you said the the implementation needs to be thoughtful and make sure that we continue to provide quality. Okay. John, anything else that you feel? Yeah. Um, leave any stones unturned? No. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, add Shots one more unfired. thing. Yeah. I wanted to add, um, one more thing about that. Fuck medics. Yeah. <laughs> That's the overall message. <laughs> I wanted to add one more thing about like that revolving door. Right. Um, it was different for me when I worked, on the 911 system in Brockton because I'm because I'm from there. So there are a lot of people who don't like to work in their own town, say, because they don't want to go to their friends' parents' houses for emergencies, things like that, or their own parents' house or, or what have you. But um, one of the things that I found when I worked there was that I enjoyed... I didn't enjoy it in a sense that I was like, oh, yes, I get to show up to this call that's probably going to be, like, devastating in one form or the other, right? But it was, like, one of those things when you get on scene and somebody recognizes you, right, 
and they know who you are, whether it's just because they've seen you around town, they've seen you at calls before, maybe they've seen you in their building, or maybe it's just because they know you from town because you grew up there. When when you bring that sense of pride to work with you, it's a game changer. Right? Yeah, you're invested. You're invested. Yeah. And so... It puts them at ease. It does. And so having this, like, you know, closed-door policy in a sense where it's like, it's not easy to get into the fire service. It's just not a job that anybody can just go sign up for. You know, the inclusion criteria is, you know, it's it's pretty inclusive, I guess. I don't know. You have to have all the right things, right? So my thoughts on that are, are and even though I don't live in the town that I, I work for, I show up there two to three days a week and, and work every day in the same community. And you begin to develop... Um, you know, obviously a, a deep appreciation and amount of like care for that community. And so with that like open door slash closed door policy, you're getting better care from your providers because it's not some guy from the North shore coming down here. I don't give a crap about this town eh, whatever giving, you know, shitty, shitty care to some patient because you know what, at the end of the day, he's, he doesn't live here. It's not his community. He doesn't care about the place. Not that there's anything wrong with the North Shore. Not that there's anything wrong no, with the North Shore. I'm just not. a South Shore guy, so I figured <laughs> I'd point that out. <laughs> but yeah, no. So that, that that's like just one thing that no, I, people I people to point care out. about. Their it's it's pride. It's pride and ownership. Yeah, pride and ownership. Care about you know caring your community and things like that. And and that's not. I'm not saying that that is the case when somebody comes from somewhere else because it's certainly not always the case. But I think that when it's yours, you tend to care more about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's it's. A fire-based EMS approach, uh, although it can be complex and it can create some clashes, I think that it's still the best approach. And it, we just have to work. We just it, we just have to work through it. Yeah. To whatever the solution may be. Twenty years from now, it'll be some other credential that they want in the fire service. And oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? We'll just keep evolving. Yeah, as we should. Yeah, as we should. Yeah. So. Awesome. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, we appreciate all you guys. We got a lot, a lot of uh, significant amount of user feedback on this one, which we really appreciate. Uh, so if you guys ever, you know, the, the group is kind of a, a lively area. Um, if there's things you guys want to talk about, feel free to talk your own. Well, uh, we're involved in some of it. We're not involved in others. Um, but this, you know, this is kind of a, a highlight of some of the great conversations that occur uh, in the job talks group. So and definitely check the, it out. Uh, Job Talks discussion group. Group, not droop. Yeah, yeah I was able troop. to change yeah, it finally. We were finally able to change um, it. And if you can't find it, find our page, which is Job Talks again, and then you can. Uh, the group is linked right there. So we kind of had the idea of having the page for all the stuff we want to put out, the videos, the whatever, and then the group for basically anybody that we talk about having a, like a, just be in a platform for discussion. So anybody that wants to talk about anything, they can go there. Awesome. There's a a few hundred people in it now. Yeah. No, so we were, and we, growing. like you said, like we, we want this endeavor to be user driven. Like it's, it, it doesn't do much for the community if we just come up here and give our opinions on random topics. Like we want to find the people, um, that are the experts in the craft. You know, we're just the students, um, to come on the show or offer opinions or offer insight and to really facilitate conversation. So we really appreciate you guys. Um, so I do have one more question per usual which is the question of the day. So um, haven't touched this one yet, but um, this would be what is your favorite firehouse meal cooked for dinner? Whatever I'm cooking. Do you have a favorite though? When like <laughs> someone you come in and like, oh, what are you guys cooking? I'm like cooking this. Like, yeah, so we're, um, we've been doing now, not everybody cooks, right? That's a that's another controversial I, subject. Yeah, yeah, I can't right. cook. I'm a good helper. Yeah, he can cook. Allegedly. He just overcooks the meat. And he, goody went he does overcook meat, so it's like you don't want to trust him on the grill, but sometimes you got to fumble through it to get there. Yep. Anyone can grill, right? You can always go do a mixed grill. Vegetables are easy. Uh, I just right. not anyone can grill. Anyone can grill. Anyone can put food on a grill. Well, chicken's tough. Anyone can put food on a grill. Not anyone can make that food good. You're you're not wrong, but <laughs> If there's a place to learn and to be fostered, it's more forgiving. Yeah, it's 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 there. Feed that shit to your kids. You know, I want the good stuff. But for me, <laughs> favorite favorite meal in in the firehouse, just because it's so good, and it's like you know, you're never gonna get it cheaper anywhere. We do a lot of roasts, mm. right? 
So yeah. we'll do like a big prime rib roast or, you know, whatever, rib, yeah. whether it's like a shoulder or whatever it is, right? Stone, stone, yeah. Okay. Or a top round roast or a bottom round or whatever. Oh, I'm not a butcher. But anyhow. But yeah, we do the roast. We cook them rare. Very. We cook them rare. So do I. And we uh, typically. And then when we, I cook prime rib, the you know what it, do you, you guys have is? a slicer? You know what it is? As I think Barry actually just doesn't know what rare is. Because uh, mm. he insists. And I'm just getting that, like, are you colorblind? Are we learning something about you? I don't want to talk about it right now on the air. So, do you guys have a slicer? No. no. Like a deli slicer? Yeah, we have a deli slicer. Really? Yeah. yeah. And you you have a slicer? Where, where's your, where's you your firehouse, John? Where, where's your firehouse? Yeah, Under where? a stop and shop? Wait, are like, you, yeah. like, are you cooking, a, down are you cooking like, a boneless <laughs> prime rib into roast beef? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. We cook it, and then we run it, and then it's like, so then we're doing mashed potatoes and green beans. We usually have mushrooms and gravy. I mean that's just like Dang. yeah no that's like that's like that we probably do that once or twice a month, easy. Is and it it's prime rib once or twice a month, bro? That is a Christmas <laughs> meal. What? On our well, I don't know if it's prime rib roast all the time, right? But that's why I said bottom shoulder or, or top round, some whatever. Sort of, some, some sort of roast, roast yeah. and it's always delicious. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good meal. That if you had to go one. to a restaurant and buy it, it'd be like a twenty-five dollar plate. Yeah. But where we're all splitting the meal, it's usually like eight or nine bucks because we usually do it when it's on sale. Yeah. Nice. Truth be told. Uh, I like, uh, so we usually do, around Christmas, we'll do a prime rib. Uh, I like to cook a prime rib. I, oh, I love cooking a prime rib. Uh, I'm a big fan of, like, uh, spaghetti. Fire spaghetti. Classic. Um, I'm gonna give us. I'm gonna give a shout out. I'm gonna use his real name to CJ. I was just thinking the same thing. CJ Ladder 2. I'm not a big turkey guy. Oh, I was I was hoping you would say the turkey. It's I'm not a big amazing. turkey guy. Yeah. I I like I eat it once for Thanksgiving and that's more than enough for me. Sure. Until he brought in so his family's from Antigua and he brought in this turkey that was like dude, it's amazing. Seasoned, I don't know what the hell there's scotch man, bonnets but in there's it. like spicy peppers in there yeah. and it's like this orange like almost it's marinated it sits it's in amazing. and he like oh, dude, it is ridiculous yeah. ridiculous best turkey i've ever had like yeah I hands would, down you know what the secret is the secret to <laughs> getting a good turkey like to cooking a good turkey and the best turkey i ever had was also in the firehouse and um this kid timmy that we work with he's like it's all about the preparation i'm like okay like what's the fucking preparation right he goes i get a br you brine it for 24 hours yeah you put it in a brine and whatever it does, like you would think that it would like the salt would like suck the moisture out, but it no, does the, the exact around. opposite. Really? And so yeah. he's like, yeah, watch this. He pulls the turkey out. He goes to like slice the breast and the whole thing just sloughed off. Yeah. It's the same wow. thing as a uh, steak. Like you salt it oh, man. the day before yeah. and, it, and it absorbs the moisture. It's just crazy. And so like it was the best turkey I've ever had yeah. in my life. I will say you cook a hell of a steak. I will. Thank you. I know. Yeah, you do. He I didn't. He didn't grow the animal. Don't give him that yeah, much credit. No. Listen, I'm not. Listen, I don't do a lot of things. Well, I cook like four staple meals, and the reason I cook those four is because I really can cook them that. well. Yeah, no, your steak is really good. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with a classic. It's also a shout out, um, and it's his birthday. Even though he won't see this episode for a little while, uh, and I'll use his. I'll use his real name, Robert Goodwin, uh, Goody, uh, affectionately known as Goody, um, cooks what we have affectionately called Goody Loaf which is just his meatloaf, and it's really fucking good. Uh, <laughs> Goody good. makes good meatloaf. Yeah, so we call it Goody Loaf. Uh, Goody's a, he's a really fucking just a good dude. Um, he makes great food. Um, kind of jury's kind of out. He's, he's had me on the bench as far as, you know, chopping and stuff, but I've been reading the playbook. He's let me chop more stuff. Chris Glenn is in, in huh? There. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh -huh. it's, honestly, it's a Goody Loaf. Uh, so, Goody, this is for you. Um, it's really fucking good, and I enjoy it very much. So I also, I, sorry, one more shout-out. Simple meal, right? Tacos. Firehouse tacos. tacos. Oh, yeah. If it's tacos. Tuesday and you're not cooking tacos. Uh, yeah, I literally yeah. came in last shift. Last shift and uh, Meg was working and I was like, I was like, Meg, you want to make tacos? Because she makes, she always makes the tacos and I didn't want to yeah. make, you know, you don't step on somebody's meal, toes. But I tell her, I don't step on her food toes. Um, but, so I was like, do you want to make tacos? Because I would really like some tacos. Mm. Yeah. Nick, I know no firehouse yet. But <laughs> if you're, you, yeah, no yeah. firehouse in the future either. Right. Yeah. So you're, I might visit. You're someday. walking it. So yeah, cool. but you're walking into a home cooked meal. What are you like? Hell yeah! What's your? Um. So a spoon roast is uh, the stuff they use for like uh, um, 
for a roast beef sandwich. Yeah. But it's in a roast form, so that's mm. that's really really good. Mm. Um, prime rib, prime rib, Ed all Stone day. Fire. I'm a good yeah. uh, only I'm, around I'm Christmas. Good for like a tomahawk steak. Oh hell yeah! So I've never made on, one at home. On the bone. Uh, or like a Delmonic. I used to actually be a butcher. That was my first job out of high school. I, I was yeah. so young when I got the job, I couldn't touch the knives. But I uh, I ended up getting the knives. And I uh, I butchered uh, whole cows and stuff like that. It was really cool. Dang. Yeah. Dang. It, was, it was very... I not butchered like, a couple well, of deer, but never, never a whole cow. Yeah, same same idea. Same yep. idea. But yeah, it's, you really learn a lot about like oh, what yeah. meat is like... The prime cut. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's not what you expect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. No, but definitely like a tomahawk steak or a big, big hunk of meat. I'm Dude, getting. any yeah. any giant hunk of red meat yeah. is my yeah. jam. Yep. Excellent. Same. Cool. Well, um, we thank you guys for all that you do. Um, I'll let Will do the the normal outro because I can't remember anything. Check out the website. We've been working hard on that. Uh, we had the bookshelf that's evolving. Uh, buy some t-shirts. We'll have those up soon. Um, and I'll turn over the rest to a trained professional for outros. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no uh <laughs> thanks for watching uh barry said it all already uh hit us up on the website take a look at our uh, merchandise help us fund this endeavor um make sure you subscribe um big time that's big that's a big one for really us and uh like we were talking about go find that discussion group if you have a question for us for anybody else you know if you just want to put something out talk about something like please find that that's uh that's kind of the point of it and uh hit us up on our our socials and and uh, we'll see you for episode 16. Crazy. Dang. All right. Without further ado, Job Talks out. Peace.